The New Testament tells us, particularly John tells us, about a man named Nicodemus. He was part of the Jewish ruling council of that day. He would be one that we would read about later on in the Gospels as well, as one who helped to supply a burial place for Jesus after his death. He was a good man, the Scripture says, and, and he was a man who who had a hunger for God, but he was confused. And so we read in the third chapter of John that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now, a lot of people have made a, a big deal about him coming at night. They said maybe he was afraid to be seen with Jesus. Maybe that's why. Or, or, or maybe that's just when it was so pressing on him that he had to leave his home and go at night. I don't know exactly why Nicodemus came at night. But I know it's where we get our phrase, Nick at night, right? No, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My, my wife told me never to use that one again, okay? But, uh, but, but Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and he said, there's something about you. We, we know from the way that you teach that you must be from God. Now, a lot of the Jewish leaders in that day were very confused because Jesus' teaching seemed to be at odds with a lot of their traditions, and so they were having this, 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 this kind of crisis in their mind. Uh, some just, of course, rejected Jesus. Some of the Pharisees went into battle, open warfare against him. But some, like Nicodemus, thought that the, what he's saying tends to be different than what we heard. But, but there's something there that, well, the way he put it, we know you're from God. Nobody could speak like this if he weren't. So Nicodemus comes, and as John portrays the story, that's basically what he said. He said, surely you've come from God to speak the way you are. And the first thing Jesus said to him is, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. It's like Jesus changed the subject, right? Well, actually, Jesus didn't change the subject. Because Jesus said something that I'm afraid maybe Nicodemus missed the point, and I think maybe... We do too sometimes. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Let's, let's go back a little bit to kind of see what we think Jesus may be saying here. If you go to the book of Mark, which was the first of the Gospels written, I mean the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're in that order in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but Mark was actually the first one that was written. And if you go to Mark's Gospel... And you go to the very first chapter, and you look at the very first words that Jesus says. Now, if you have a red-letter edition, it's easy to find. You go to the first chapter of Mark, and if you don't have a red-letter edition, that's those editions where, where uh, every word of Jesus is in red. In old Bibles, it's light red, you know. But uh, um, it, you see that the very first thing that we have recorded of Jesus in the very first gospel to be written is in John. Uh, I'm sorry, in Mark one, and go down to verse fourteen. It, we read that after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. Now we've already read from Mark about the temptation of Jesus and things that happened, but these are the first words Jesus said: "The time has come." The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. First recorded words we have of Jesus. The, very, the, the oldest ones we have of what he said, the first words were, the kingdom of God is here, is near, is in front of you. Repent and believe the good news. The time has already come. 
Now, here's what's so important for you and I to grab today and throughout our lives as Christians. When Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he wasn't simply talking about a future kingdom. All right. He was talking about a present and a future kingdom. About a hundred years ago or so, a little more than that, there was a theology that started making the rounds, and maybe more like 150 years ago, and it's become deeply embedded that when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he was just talking about something future. He was just talking about a heaven we will someday go to. But the scripture doesn't teach that. The scripture teaches that when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he talked about the present kingdom and the coming kingdom. Or we like to call it sometimes the now, not yet kingdom. You know, we say that Jesus is the king, right? Well, since God's kingdom isn't geographic in nature, but it's spiritual and permeates all things in nature, where the kingdom is is where the king is. And we all celebrate what happened 2,000 years ago. This baby came in a manger, and the magi from the east came and said, we have heard that there was a king to be born, and we've called him the king ever since. Why? Because this kingdom said, this king said that I'm bringing this new kingdom where everything changes. The values of the new kingdom are not like the values of the kingdoms of this world. They're antithetical to the kingdoms of this world. This new kingdom is here, and so Jesus' first words to us was, the time has come. Not someday it'll come. No, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. Now, if we think of the kingdom as only a future thing, then it sounds like Jesus is kind of changing the subject on Nicodemus, doesn't it? I mean, Nicodemus is saying, I want to understand what you're saying. And Jesus is saying, you know, Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. And many people have interpreted that as Jesus was saying, unless you're born again, you can't go to that kingdom. But that's not what he said. He said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. So let's go to born again. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, again, in our Christian culture In America, over the last 150 years or so, many people have reduced the concept of being born again to saying a prayer, right? We say this prayer, people say, well, I'm a born-again believer. One time I prayed a prayer. But is that what the new birth is? Is is that what it is, uh, something that we just say? Let's think about the day you were born. You remember that, don't you? I don't either, but let's think about it. Okay, we've seen it in retrospect. I've had the privilege of seeing my three children born and and being there when it happened, and many of you have as well. And we know that birth is not just a matter of somebody saying something. It's a traumatic, wonderful, beautiful, amazing thing. In fact, from the perspective of the child, it's probably a fairly violent event. Um, the, The child comes out and and... His or her lungs have to be squeezed so that they can breathe in the air. They've never done that before. Uh, I was talking to my physician, who, who's a Christian, a good friend of mine. And I was talking to him about the concept of, you know, the, the wind of the Spirit and we breathe the Spirit. And I was telling him about uh, someone I read who said, you know, sometimes when we breathe in and out, that's kind of like the sound of Yahweh, Yahweh. And then we were talking about the new birth. And he said, well, i got to tell you, when someone's born... 
That child doesn't say, Yahweh. He says, Yahweh! Like, oh, wow, i got to breathe. And now, now think about this. When, when you're born, everything changes. Everything changes. You've been living in a world where it's, it's dark, it's comfortable. You hear the movement of the blood through the veins of your mother. You hear her heartbeat. That is everything you hear, and all the other sounds are kind of faded in the background. You hear the sounds of other people, but, but the dominant thing you hear is the very life blood, the life flow, the heartbeat, the breathing of your mother. You are maintained in a perfect temperature. You are maintained in a perfect environment. And in that perfect environment, you are given all the nutrition you need. You don't have to take any of it. It is all given to you. The nutrition, the nutrients, even the very oxygen. And one day something happens. It's like someone came and messed up your world. All of a sudden there's contractions and strange things going on and you don't know what's happening to your body. You have no clue. And all of a sudden, you went from total darkness and all this light and all this noise and people grabbing you and saying, oh, isn't she beautiful? And screaming and yelling and trying to get you to breathe in a different way to get your oxygen in a way you've never done before. Everything has changed. Nothing is the same. You've got to learn how to eat. You've got to learn how to get your nutrients. You've got to learn everything because everything has changed. Why do we think God chose that analogy? Why do we think Jesus said that? If Jesus was saying, well, say a prayer, He certainly would have chosen that analogy. But if Jesus was saying, God wants to change everything. What analogy will he use? And of course, Nicodemus didn't get it. He goes, <laughs> born again. He said, can a man return to his mother's womb? What are you talking about? And Jesus said, you're a theologian of Israel. You're, you're one of the, and you don't get this? He said, flesh gives birth to flesh. And the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Don't be surprised when I tell you, you must be born again. Your spirit, your life has to undergo a change like you can't even comprehend. Is it any wonder that later on the Apostle Paul would say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a whole new creation? The old's gone. There's no one going back to the womb. The old is gone. The new has come. Now, when Jesus tells us this and teaches Nicodemus this, he's trying to get to something that he wants to get to for all of us. Again, let's go back to his first words. The time has come. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent. That's another word we've got to grasp a hold of because repent is a wonderful word. I know many times we think of repentance as, as sorrow, and it is sometimes. In fact, uh, we sometimes use that phrase, godly sorrow. Those of you who have been in the church a long time, you've heard that phrase, haven't you? Godly sorrow. You know what that means? That means that when we have lived a destructive way, and we're harming people and hurting people and rebelling against God, there comes a part time in our life where the only way we repent is with a godly sorrow. But, but repentance is more than that. 
In fact, if you were to go to the original language of the New Testament, the word repent literally means, this is the literal meaning, to change one's mind. Now, when they use the word mind, they use it in a different way we do. We, we usually think of mind as just what's between the ears here, right? But they meant mind, and they meant spirit, and they meant soul, and they meant will, and they meant value. You know, to change your mind was to change your life. So Jesus comes on the scene. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of heaven is here. Change everything. And then he said to Nicodemus, let me make it really plain to you. (laughs) You've got to go through a whole... You've got to begin life all over again. The change is so radical that you have to endure. The change is so radical of how you have to think and see the world. That everything has to change. And I want you to picture this. Here, Nicodemus is standing there facing Jesus. And Jesus is saying this to him. He's saying, unless your mind and your heart and your spirit, unless all you are takes a radical change, unless you were born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. So we've read that wrong. Many times people have read, you can't get into the kingdom. No, he said, you can't even see it. And what he was saying is, Nicodemus, this kingdom, it's standing right in front of you. It's three feet from you, and you can't see it. That's why you came to me, Nicodemus, and said, you're a teacher. We don't get what you're saying. Of course you don't get what I'm saying. Because God has to do a work in you. And when you allow God to do a work in you, then you see. Do you remember when you first came to faith in Christ? Do you remember the world started looking a little different? Like, you started seeing God in places you never saw God before, right? You started seeing the love of God in places you never saw. You started to see the grace of God in places you never saw it before. In fact, you looked back and said, Oh, all the times God saved my life. All the times He put grace in my life. All the times He was there. And I didn't even know He was there. You began to see the world differently because God was doing a new work in you. As Jesus said, unless there's a new birth, a new way of living, seeing, knowing, you can't even see Jesus. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's what's so important for us, so important for me. I believe that you and I are called to live in a perpetual state of repentance. Now, wait a minute, people say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't God forgive? Okay, I'm not talking about guilt now, okay? Don't live in a perpetual state of guilt. Don't do that. It'll kill you. It'll destroy you. And we believe that when Jesus forgives, he forgives, right? I love that old hymn, I'm free from the fear of tomorrow, I'm free from the guilt of the past. Remember that song? And Paul talks about that. Paul says he redeemed us from guilt. So when I say we live in a constant state of repentance, I don't mean we live in a constant state of guilt. In fact, my New Year's resolution this year, I have have weird ones, okay? My New Year's resolution was to get rid of guilt and embrace repentance. Because to me, repentance is to embrace change. God, keep doing a work in me. Keep changing me. I don't want to be what I was last year. I don't want to be what I was last month. I want you to keep changing me and keep changing me. And here's why it's so vital for us as believers in Jesus Christ. 
Because if we're not careful, we will look at the new birth as one and done. I prayed the prayer, and now I believe different stuff. And yet, doesn't God want to keep revealing Himself to us? Doesn't He want us to see Him in a new way? A few months ago, I, I read a quote that has stuck with me. I think it was Henry Nouwen said, I am in the throes of being born again. Now, I, I feel like I'm just coming out of the birth canal now, and, and I'm just seeing the light, and I'm, I'm just trying to comprehend the sounds. I'm just trying to comprehend this new world, this new kingdom that God has called me into. And so, daily I say, Lord, change me. Daily we say, Lord, Grow me. Change me. I am still repenting. I am still asking you to change my mind. I, I, I worry about myself and other believers when, we, when we're afraid to change our mind. You know, we, we, we kind of want to be born again, but we want to keep our old way of thinking about the world, our old way of thinking about God, our old way of thinking about politics, our old way of thinking about money, our old way of thinking about everything. We just kind of want to keep all that stuff and say, God, would you rubber stamp that for me? And, and yet, that's not what the new birth is. The new birth is to change. The, the repentance is to change. Let God revolutionize us so that we can see the kingdom. We can see what Christ is up to. And as we began, the kingdom of heaven has different values than the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of heaven operates differently. Well, how can I, how can I love my enemies if I don't repent, if I don't see what God is up to, and that He's up to this in ways that no one else is? How can I have perpetual hope and perpetual joy in this world if I don't see the kingdom in a new way, if I don't see everything in a new way? Why, if I just say I'm born again, I could go back to the old cynicism. I could go back to the old hopelessness. I could go back to the old fears. But He calls me to something else. It's not just about that second of birth. It's about all that accompanies. It's about when that child is laid up on the mother's chest and in those fledgling moments tries to learn to nurse and, and over the years will learn to sustain himself or herself in other ways. It's about what God is doing through this new birth. I often think about my grandson, Will. Um, I have learned so much from Will. Will is, uh, he, he was born with Down syndrome and with a lot of other complications. Um, he's five years old and he just learned how to walk. And I mean, like, we're over the moon, you know, because the doctors told us he would never sit up on his own. And, uh, you know, and he's learned, but he's been through so many surgeries and it would, it would take me an hour to tell you and, well, I'll go ahead. No, I won't. Uh, um, but just the miracles, the miracles, the miracles, a lot of pain. He still has so many physical limitations. He still has a G-tube to, to, to get sustenance and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but, you know, Will's walking, this five-year-old. You say, well, isn't that late? Yeah, it's late. But you know what? <laughs> we see him walk and he's only been walking for about, Two or three months. I get to see him about once a week usually. Whenever I see him, I just want to weep. I just want to rejoice when I see him walking, just getting across the floor. Because I see that God has done and is doing a wonderful, wonderful, amazing work in his life. 
See, they told us he'd just be born. But he wouldn't be able to grow and grasp. And now he's walking and he's jabbering and he's fighting with his siblings. It's great stuff to watch, you know, when you're a grandparent because you can send them home and they can fight at home, you know. It's wonderful stuff. We rejoiced at his birth. And we rejoice at every step he takes because he is continually being birthed. He is continually being resurrected. He is continually living the life of Christ. And we all have friends and families and maybe some of you have gone through the tragedy of a child that was born and the child could not develop. And we weep and we mourn and we place that child back in God's hands because we know that God's intent and what God wants is for that child to be born and grow and thrive. And that's what He wants for you and I. You see, we're not old people. We're babies. I'm a 63-year-old baby who's just peeking out of the birth canal saying, how do I take this in? How do I know what all God wants to do in my life? And He said to me, and He said to you, and He said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, unless you look at the kingdom through new eyes, you won't see what I'm doing. And I won't be able to conform you, as Paul would later say, into the image of Christ. I don't want to think the way this world thinks. Do you? I don't want to learn the values of this world. Oh, we all learned the values of this world because we've grown up in this world. We've grown up and we've seen all the values of this world. I don't want those values. I, I, I want the values of the new kingdom that stands antithetical to the values of the kingdoms of this world. But I can't take on those values just by snapping my finger and saying I said a prayer. I must be born again. I must live in a perpetual state of repentance, a perpetual state that says, Lord, change me. Change me. Will is changing because will is growing. And you can't grow without changing. You can't change without growth. You ever catch yourself where you're saying, Lord, I want to grow spiritually. But don't change anything. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to grow, but I don't want to change. That's an oxymoron, right? No can do. No, change my heart, God. Change me. I love the scriptures we read today, and I love that song. Just as I am, I come to you for healing. I come to you for forgiveness. But I come for more than that. I come for you to change me. And that's a liberation we have. That's the joy we have. Have you been tempted to cynicism lately? I have. Okay, let's just be honest right now. Have you been tempted to cynicism lately? Well, I have. It's a crazy world we live in. A lot of bad stuff going on. Every day on the news, we think, what is happening to our world? If I look through the eyes of the kingdoms of this world, that's where I'm going. I'm cynical. But if I repent, if I say, change me, then I see standing right in front of me is Jesus. Right in front of me is the kingdom. And of course, he went on and said, for God so loved this world. That's the same passage, isn't it? God so loved this world that he gave his son. That's why I came. And he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And you're part of that as you allow him to change you. Heavenly Father, change us. 
Help us to be in the throes of the new birth. Oh Lord, forgive us of the times when we've, when we've kind of seen the new birth as one and done and, and, and we kind of see ourselves as, as people with all the answers and, and people who aren't really open to newness. Oh, forgive us of that, Lord. That, that's, that's not God honoring. But help us to be like that little child. Because that's what you taught us, Lord. You said, unless you become like a little child, you can't see the kingdom. You can't enter into the kingdom. You can't enter in what God's doing in this world unless you become like a little child. And so, Lord, today we confess our childishness. We confess our lack of answers. We confess our blindness. Even though we're following you, Lord, we are just babies who are still learning. Would you change us? Would you change us individually? Would you change the church? Would you help us as individuals and us collectively as the church? to reflect you in all of your glory. Make us like you today. We pray all these things in your name. Would you stand with me? And let's, uh, let's hear the blessing that God gave when he told Moses. He said, Moses, you go to Aaron the priest, and this is what I want you to tell Aaron to tell the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance to you and give you shalom, give you peace. Go in peace today and keep changing.